Welcome to the Buyers Agent Institute podcast, the show that will take you from your nine to five to living a life on your terms. We hear from the experts themselves, sharing how they created their success and give you actionable steps to help you create a lifestyle by design. Becoming a buyer's agent requires passion, dedication, and great mentorship. This podcast will share with you all three so that you can turn buying property into a career. I think a lot of them feel really relieved because um, a lot of them have saved. Women are really good savers. We run households, sometimes of six people. We're juggling bills, where there's mortgages, there's school fees going out, there's um, school notes going out. So women are actually very good managers of money. It's the next step we don't tend to take. Mm. For some reason, and I was talking to um, a very successful woman about this the other day, she said, oh, no, we're a great team. I do the searching and my husband does the buying. I said, oh, interesting. So you do the pretty bit at the beginning and you hand over the finances. And she went, oh yeah, I suppose so. Welcome to the Buyers Age Institute show. The purpose of the show is to bring awareness to buyers agents, to bring awareness around the career opportunities that the sector is providing people, to bring awareness around the value that buyers agents are providing people who need help buying property. Our goal with the show is to strip back and dive into the remarkable stories and journeys of buyers agents who are paving the way forward in one of the fastest growing career sectors in real estate right now. Our guest today is Elaine Davies. She's from the UK, she's from Wales, she's got an awesome career background, it's very diverse. She was a TV and radio presenter, she was a magazine columnist, she is an author. She recently published a book called Mind, Body, Sold, she's published I believe four books, she's also worked as a selling agent. Mm -hmm. And that was in Asia, and when she did go through a divorce, when she was back in Australia, she then got back into becoming a selling agent again, but then realized that the buyer was heavily misrepresented. There was a massive gap, the buyer needed more attention. So she became a buyer's agent, she worked for a few firms, we actually worked together at my former company, Cohen Handler, and she's awesome. And now she's recently started her own business called New Road Property. And Elaine has a very strong purpose. It's, it's, I think it's very deep. It's really focused on empowering women, helping women become more financially secure, helping women understand how to get the money to work for them and using property as an investment vehicle to really achieve it. I'm super excited to introduce Elaine. Welcome. Ben, Hello. thank you. What a beautiful introduction. You're so gorgeous. <laughs> thank you. There's a lot there with you. You've got a good background. It's a deep background. Yeah. So did I nail it? <laughs> Nailed it! There's no retakes here. Awesome. You've got the book there, Mind, Body, Soul. Yeah, I've got the book. Um, so you're right, I wrote this because um, I, I really... We're, you were a buyer's agent, I'm a buyer's agent, but not everybody wants to use a buyer's agent. And maybe people live in small communities. So I gave away every single tip, everything from the searching to the negotiating. It's all in here. So for 30 bucks, people can have our experience. But I also delved into mindset because a lot of times people don't buy, not because they don't know how to look and not because they haven't got the money, but there's something in them. They're in poverty mindset or people around them are going, don't do that. Come on, come out for a cocktail. Don't save that money. Um, they haven't got goals. They haven't got vision. So I wrote that as well. And I've also written a little part about why women do the wealth short straw and uh, well, the, the circumstances around that. Um, but more importantly, what we can do about it. 
it's powerful and I, I love the heading and I, I know we I spoke to you last year about it mm. I read it and it is very good and you oh. give away a lot I, I always admire when people actually give it all out they're not just giving a bit as like mm. a tickler they're it's giving, not a lead magnet it's <laughs> that ain't a lead magnet no but I, I think you've got a lot of experience you know as I said you, you've worked as a selling agent overseas you've worked as a selling agent here in Sydney mm -hmm. for a long time you've worked as a buyer's agent you're running your own company now you've also got life experience mm. You've been a writer. You are a writer. Mm. You've got a lot to bring to the table, right? And I think more importantly, what I feel connected with what you're doing is, even though I'm not a female, but is how you are connected with serving women. Yeah, that's why, a good word. Why are you so passionate about it? Uh, well, two reasons. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. There's a really big picture in that statistics are showing that the growing stats around homelessness is women. And it's growing ever more. So women coming out of divorces or all kinds of reasons, but women are actually ending up on the streets. So that's the big picture. So I just want to be a tiny little cog in helping that level down, come back a bit. And that, I think, is a lot to do with mindset and people. Not. Now, on a personal level, as you say, I was on the TV. I was on um, many radio stations, including TV, Qantas, um, I think I was writing for seven magazines as publishing authors. I was the Kerry Bickmore of, <laughs> of Sydney. And um, I was running loud. I was flying all over the world. I was working just on my, even back then, on my computer. But then I got married. And within four years, I was a single mother of a two-year-old. Now, if I hadn't frittered that money away in my 20s and 30s, I would have been fine. But I was of the mindset then, and I don't come from um, a family where we create money. I come from a family where you, you, know, you work hard. We're grafters, that working class thing. It's week to week, and everything's got to be hard, you know? And um, so I, my own story, like my life would be, I've caught up now, but the, when my marriage broke up, I was like, okay, what do we do now? And it was quite tough for quite a number of years. So yeah, I've seen that story happen so many times, and it's so easy just to save a little bit. And get an investment. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it sounds easy, but a lot of people don't do it. We just need to spend less and save more. My grandmother had four dresses in her, I think she had three dresses in her wardrobe, a day dress, a church dress, and something else. We think how big the wardrobes were. They were just little wooden wardrobes. I'm surprised about the women and the homelessness. I actually didn't know that. Mm. That's, in, that, that, that that's insightful. How are you finding women in terms of them being receptive to wanting to go on this journey, mm. to really have the money working for them and to really start building wealth themselves? I think a lot of them feel really relieved because um, a lot of them have saved. Women are really good savers. We run households, sometimes of six people. We're juggling bills, where there's mortgages, there's school fees going out, there's um, school notes going out. So women are actually very good managers of money. It's the next step we don't tend to take. Mm. For some reason, and I was talking to um, a very successful woman about this the other day, she said, oh, no, we're a great team. I do the searching and my husband does the buying. I said, oh, interesting. So you do the pretty bit at the beginning and you hand over the finances to you. And she went, oh, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> Handballs it. Handballs it. You do the negotiations. I, I, I don't want to do that. We're really good negotiators, women. We are constantly negotiating all day, every day. And we, we, need, we need to own that on a really deep and powerful level and just kind of step up and go, yeah, man, I'm going to create this life. You know, I personally think that women, in my time that I was uh, working in the buy, specifically the buyer's agent space in my company, I actually think women are more suited for the role. I think the, the selling side is very alpha male, mm. dog eat dog, 
and I, and I do, and I would see that. It would, I know you've been a selling agent. I haven't, but I would see it'd be hard for for a lady on that side. I, I, I maybe I, that's wrong, but that's what I how I see it, unfortunately. But on the buy side, I think the women have the power, mm. and I and I hope to see more women. Me too. It'd be great to see more women in the industry as a whole. But it's interesting you saying because um, I became a buyer's agent because I didn't like the way the buyers were being treated, and. While I'm in real estate, and so are you, I think we're pretty honest people, you know, like our core is that, but we're working for the particular clients we're working for. Mm. And I remember it happened to me a few times, a buyer would call me and say, because I'd built up such a good relationship, look Elaine, I can go another 20, but don't tell the vendor. Start at five. Mm. Well, they'd already told the vendor. I was the vendor's representative. So I'd kind of file my nails all day, go for a coffee and come back and go, really exciting news. We've got it for the 20. Couldn't, I couldn't get it for five, don't worry about that. Really exciting, got it for the 20. You know, so, um, and, and I was a pretty level negotiator. So yeah, absolutely. People really need a buyer's advocate because you're making money when you buy, not when you sell. You buy rubbish, it's not going to come up above the medium, which is what we all want, yeah? So I would rather see people put their money into a buyer's agent than to, into a real estate agent. It's fascinating what you just shared, I'm not surprised, regarding how transparent buyers are with real estate agents. Oh. I, th I think they forget that the selling agent works for the vendor. Selling agents, just by their nature, are, are friendly, yeah? Even if they're not behind closed doors, but a lot are. I've got nothing against selling agents, they, but they're working for the vendor. And um, yeah, they just don't know. How was the shift? I know you've been a buyer's agent for a while. This is yeah. not new to you no. and, and real estate's not new to you either. Mm. You've got a lot of experience. However, how was that shift when you moved? Because you would have moved from a selling agent to a buyer's agent at a time when it was still not very recognized. Yeah, well, I was kind of one of the first. Like not really, you know, there was another batch before me, but it wasn't like it is today. Um, I loved it straight away. Yeah, yeah. And the, the guy I was working for had, um, he's quite a flashy guy around town. Hi, Chris. And um, <laughs> he had his Ferrari and, you know, actually it's not that fun to get in and out of. They're better on paper than they are. <laughs> no, but apart from that, I, I loved it straight away, looking at all these amazing properties, but not getting fooled by, you know, the smell of fresh coffee and lights, lights on inside and all that. Because it's, you know, it's, a lot of it is common sense, but it's only, you only know once you know. It's true. And you, you get fooled. A lot of buyers yeah. get fooled. They walk into a place and they don't judge the light correctly, they go at the yeah. wrong time of day, they can do stupid things. So let's talk about New Road property. Yes, okay. So you're based in the Inner West or? So um, yes, I am based in the Inner West and Inner City. Okay, Inner City. So yeah. you're focusing on? Inner West and East, which is why I, I chose to have my office in the city because, yeah, yeah, because I, I really know both just as well as, as each other, yeah. And they're good areas to service. They're great and I love them both. Yeah. Are you specializing primarily in owner OC, investor, both? I'd say I'm 50-50 and it's funny, I was just thinking about um, two of the last properties I bought. I bought a beautiful terrace house here in Surrey Hills for 2.3 million and I bought um, an apartment, I can't remember the name of the suburb now, for 8.50. But the apartment was for owner occupiers and the 2.3 million was for investors and they could easily have been the other way around, yeah? So a good property is a good property. What happened during COVID? I mean, obviously for all of us, it was shock, yeah. it was quick. Yeah. Uh, a lot of change. Mm. W what did you notice? Like whether it was property or anything like... You, well, my garden's looking good. Your garden's... <laughs> <laughs> it's never looked so good. Obviously for a while we couldn't take people out, but it, 
in a way, I was busier because we were really um, finding the off-markets, you know, even more. And I found that one conversation was leading to another. Like, I actually found real estate agents were more um, open to saying, "Look, I think there is a house mm -hmm. coming up." Actually, because suddenly, people just became became more of a enclosed society. That's the wrong, I'm strong word. What am I trying to say? Just started working better together. I felt everyone was collab co collaborating more. That's the word. That's the word there. Collab, yeah. I, I know. I felt that as well. I felt that. I think it was such a shock to the system for everybody because I was, I was a, a person who was in denial. I was one of the last to go. Okay, this is really serious. And um, but I, yeah, I really found people quite helpful. So I'd be speaking, yeah, as I say, speaking to one real estate going, actually, there is a house coming up, but it's not me. And I'm like, okay. You're being nice today. What's going on? I like COVID. Yeah. It's, it seems like people became a bit more vulnerable, a bit more open. Yeah, and, l and let's hope that stays. That's what I'm praying for. Yeah, me too. It would be wonderful if the world stayed, because it does feel like we're all now against this big baddie out there, and the baddie's the virus, and we're all looking after each other. Question, might yes. be a silly question. Are you only servicing women as clients, or will you take on...? No, I'm not ever turning away okay. a client. Okay. Well, no, you know we turn away clients. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, so, the funny thing is, I don't tend to work with many single guys. So I work with couples a lot. Okay. Yeah, and um, you know, and we laugh. We you know have a good laugh with that because I like to separate them. So I have this thing <laughs> giving away a few of my tips now, but I get them to fill in separate briefs: the husband and the wife, no peeking, because that straight away gives me a clue into I like why what's stopping them buying. What's one of the things you know? That's so, smart. Because a lot of people, again, they don't know what they don't know. And hopefully they love each other, yeah? So one is saying, oh, no, if you found a great house up there, I would live there, and vice versa. But really, deep down, they're not going to. They're not going to move suburbs, or they're not going to live in an apartment. There's something there that is fundamentally a stop for one of them. And they can go looking for a property for two years. So hypothetically, I'm sure you've been through this, you get two uh, client profile forms back, Quite different. Do you then, is this intervention now, guys? Yeah, intervention. intervention now. And unless we come to a mutual agreement, we're not moving forward. Oh, we always come to a mutual agreement. <laughs> who, who budges first, male, female? Look, it's, um, okay, let me think of examples. So that was the male. No, it's, I'd say half and half. A lot of it is just pointing it out. Mm. It's, yeah, it's not a gender thing. It's, it's more, you know, personality domineering, what, dominant or whatever. One couple had been together for like 30 years. And she was the one that called me and she was like, yeah, he's getting on my nerves and this and that. I said, okay, we need, we need to talk. So did this thing. They came in, hardly talking to each other. And their story was, we are in the car on Saturday. She would say to him, stop the car. And he'd say, fine. And she'd get out, slam the door. And what I realized was she had put, they wanted to buy in the next three months. And he said, no rush. But she was the one that felt under pressure. So I said, this is really interesting. And what it's telling me is, his communication with you, he's just showing you stuff. He's just going, what about this one? What about this one? He's not actually, not everyone he shows you he wants to buy. He's just trying to have a conversation. And they walked out of my office holding hands. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure that's, is that a rare outcome? Well, it's usually holding hands. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That's, but no, there's usually kind of a, a joy or a breakthrough. Sometimes they're just exhausted and they're like, okay, get it. We get it. What's happening for New Road this year? I mean, obviously this, this year has been a crazy year for everyone. Yeah. Is it just business as usual? Obviously you've got your course coming out. Um, is there 
anything different happening or just just I don't think this is the year for me to change anything on new real property it is business as usual but I'm very excited about my course because as I say it's and a lot of it is around understanding the real estate agent and what they do and what they say and you know how to look at the property and the negotiation so I'm really excited um, and I, I'm going to jump into a Facebook group and be part of it you know so build a community around that um, but it's going to be business as usual because I love it I love yeah. it. What's to change, you know? You don't, in real estate, we don't need to change a lot. I mean, we I, don't. I've kind of arrived. <laughs> a lot of the old stuff really works. So, social media, and there's some new stuff that you, nuances you can do, but yeah. a, lot, it's, it's, a lot of the old stuff still works. And I think a lot of people are trying, I feel like, with where we are now in 2020, to use technology to, to get somewhere quicker, a lot quicker, mm. and f take shortcuts. But with what we do in real estate, I believe a lot of the, it's the old stuff that works. You can't outsource relationships. You know, you can't say to somebody else, make this call, read this, that thing. You've got to just be in front of people and talking. And luckily, I quite like that. You can't outsource relationships. That's what is going to be the title for this discussion. Okay. That is one thing that cannot get outsourced. No, no. Anything pretty much can get outsourced. But that relationship, that, one of the things I really dislike is when... Um, there's almost like I feel like a con when you are signed up by one buyer's agent and then you sat in and you go, actually, it's not me you're working with, it's just this other person. And there's been no transparency through that. That really irks me mm. when I hear that. And it happens in a few industries. It's not just ours. Can I say, why do you really feel you can't outsource relations? Because a lot of the things we can outsource now, yeah. everything's basically outsourced. Because it's so personal. It's my relationship. I can possibly introduce somebody into that. Back, back into my relationship, then I'm obviously I'm in, not in danger, but then they will create their own relationship and that's different. That's an introduction and a warm, but um, if, if you, you know, people hire people to uh, do what they call cold calling or warm calling, call this person and see, see if um, they want to work with me again. It's like, no, that's the one thing that is the relationship, yeah. Relationships for real estate is, some people say it's more important than property. Well, that's, that's ironic. That I'm glad you brought that up because I'm a people person. It's my clients I'm passionate about. I know all about property. I know a good one. I know how to negotiate. But it's the clients that I'm passionate about. Are you very selective with who you take on? Yes. <laughs> From experience. Is that because, <laughs> would you say you've, you've taken on the wrong client? Or? Yeah, yeah, in the past. And, you know, they've always bought. But I think if you buy, take, and, and this is any business and actually any part of life, if you take on somebody that you just know is not going to be quite right or are going to be draining on you for some reason, you're actually um, sabotaging meeting the next great person that you would have met, the next great client that you would have met. And as I say, that this is relationships as well, because... You're exhausted and your time's all caught up here in this negative area, whereas you should be kind of out there, yeah, meeting, doing, doing. attracting the people you want. Sorry, Ben. No, no, do, you're right. Like you're spending your time more productively doing, doing other things. Talking about, um, I guess, utilizing time, do you feel like your meetings when you're getting in front of people, they're specifically in, those, in that time coming to you, experiencing similar problems? Like a, a lot of your clients that you decide that you want to work with, typically like all time poor, typically mm. sick of real estate agents. Like, do you find there's a commonality or is it all very different? No, 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 it's, it's a commonality. I think there's five basic things, isn't it? And one of them is confusion in the household, confusion between the, the, the partners. And I think that's missed a lot. You know, people don't delve into that.
but absolutely time poor. And as I say, I have a lot of time for real estate agents. I'm not here to say that they do a bad job because they do a good job for the vendor. But um, yeah, buyers get very fed up of um, real estate agents, but they don't understand that underquoting is a way in Sydney. It's, it's quote, it, quote it low, watch it go, quote it high, watch it die. Like we are all trained for underquoting in Sydney. If somebody quotes it at the right price, people are gonna then add another 10%. You know, in a way they can't win. So people have to understand underquoting is a norm. 10% is normal, it can be 25%. Yeah, and you'd know that from being on the sell side. Oh, I know it from being a buyer's agent because I, that's the one thing I never listen to with a real estate agent is what they're actually quoting. That's white noise. You have to do your research and find your comparables and go, well, look, it sits in these properties. And that's why people engage us as buyer's agents, especially engage uh, people like yourself who actually understand this. Like you can see through it all. Like, like yeah. the story you shared earlier was interesting about the buyer who would, when you're a selling agent, would reveal everything to you. And... All these buyers, they just got no idea what they're doing. No, because they don't come across. I mean, we're in this every single day. And I say this to buyers, the good real estate agents are having training every Tuesday morning for like two or three hours, dialogue. You know, they're, they're role playing. Whereas a buyer will walk into this, the real estate agent's uh, lair, really, yes. once every seven years. Yeah, that's a good point. Walking into their, into their playground. Yeah. And I think they've got, they've got something up on that real estate agent. Absolutely. And, and real estate agents know how to build the relationship that I was talking about. They know how to do that. And again, you know, I talk about that in the book. In fact, um, the auction, I've depicted it as Game of Thrones. Mm. So I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones, but of course the buyers are the Norths, the, the Starks, Lannisters are the real estate agents, and Littlefinger is the auctioneer. Ooh, I like no it. alliance to anyone. Well, the auction is, I mean, Buyers get bullied by the auctioneer. That's right. Bid against themselves. Real estate agents also put a lot of pressure on buyers. So, I mean, it's an interesting part. We've got a lot to talk about and we've got to unfortunately finish up. Can I just say one more thing about COVID? Yes. I've really enjoyed the way that buyers have been bidding from home mm. because that has given them power. They're not being whispered at or having a real estate, uh, the, the very uh, loud and successful auctioneer do that. They're actually been sitting in their own lounge room. And I think long may that last. Auction now. Auction now. Damien Cooley, did you use that platform? No, I was thinking of Auction Works, David Scholes. Oh, I haven't used that. Oh, okay. That's, I mean, they're, they're all effectively doing the same thing. Yeah. But I mean, I, I thought that was an interesting transition. Yeah. And move. I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious to know whether it's going to play out. Yeah, I do worry that people drink though, because you can't sign. No, it's illegal. I always say people never settle your nerves with a drink, you know. I, I didn't think of that. Well, that, that's, that you could see some very silly bidding. <laughs> I didn't think of that. If people are drinking or... They're at home. That's the only thing I worry nervous. about. Nervous. Yeah. Where's the best place for people to find you? Well, my website is newroadproperty.com. And then on Instagram, I'm elaine.davies.inc, I-N-C. I'm Elaine Davies on Facebook. And LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I kind of ha that's where I hang. It's a, it's a, it, it's the professional hangout place. Oh, and I'm so professional. I've noticed on social media you you bring you you have a new energy about you. It's, it's like it's the new version. Ah. Elaine is out here to do something impactful now. I know, and I just I noticed that. So I'm sure people who are watching are going to look at your social media, whether they because I've seen the older Elaine, which is great, but just, there's a new energy. So Thank I'm, you, I'm ben. excited to see where you're gonna go. Thank you, Ben, so, let's, yeah. I always love chatting, good energy. Love chatting to you. Personality, no surprise you're in 
people, business, real estate. <laughs> and I think this book is really gold. So appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. For everyone listening, you can check out Elaine's book, um, Mind, Body, Sold. I, I read that last year. She does give away a lot in that book. So if you're a buyer, read it. If you're a buyer's agent, read it. If you're a real estate agent, whatever you do in real estate, I would read it. There's a lot of good information. Check out Elaine on her website. I mean, I used to work with Elaine. Elaine's super impressive. She brings a lot to the table. I mean, she's just, she's got an incredible, she's an incredible human being, number one. And she's uh, doing this new business, I believe, with a lot of purpose, a different energy she's bringing to the table. And she's got a lot of experience working on the sell side and the buy side. When I used to recruit buyer's agents, I always used to look for buyer's agents who'd worked on the sell side because they understand the mentality of both sides. So if you're a buyer, check out Elaine as well because she brings a lot to the table for Sydney, for inner city, inner west and the eastern suburbs. See you next week. To find out more about how you can become a stellar buyer's agent yourself, head to www.buyersagentinstitute.com.au.